We must save America. We must. We have to. And America is in total jeopardy. We all see it. Our criminal justice system, problems with race, uh, politics, uh, culture, science, hideous conversations about gender. Everything is crazy right now, and we must work to save America. This is a true clarion call to everyone And it wasn't always. Politicians have been throwing around Save America for a long time. I got to admit, it never really moved me. I love my country. And I think my country is in danger. And I think the only man that can save America at this time is the man that's running for president on my ticket. The erosion of our confidence in the future is threatening to destroy the social and the political fabric of America. Some will say our mission is to save free enterprise. Well, I say we must free enterprise so that together we can save America. All right. Hey, I love Nixon and Reagan. Carter, no. But why didn't it move me? And I wasn't alive for the uh, Nixon speech, but it didn't move me because I didn't actually feel like we were at risk of losing. I had confidence in America. You did too, probably. Right now, with America turned against itself, my confidence is uh, not what it used to be. Take a look at how we are falling apart, disintegrating, really. This is a heartbreaking video from Michigan. Law enforcement, when we grew up, you respected cops, right? Is it any surprise to anyone that children are acting like this? just horrific and unthinkable. Not very long ago. Where do they get all that hate? Where do they start to resent cops? Democrats and mainstream media. This is the effect that hideous conversation had about race and law enforcement. We are disintegrating everywhere. I mean, did you see what happened in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago? A man beaten to a pulp and killed by a 10-year-old and a (laughs) 14-year-old. Girls and boys. It happened on the street. They were having a fun, they were having fun while they were doing it. Two of these people, two of the suspects, have turned themselves in. Um, and Black Lives Matter. It started in 2020. Actually, it started in 2012. But that hideous summer, and the mainstream media and Democrat politicians from the far left to the mainstream embraced all of this nonsense. And the results, the results, well, you saw those kids. And how about this? Smash and grab robberies, crime out of control everywhere you look, and a total denial of reality by so many. You know, for a while, you could not mention Antifa, Antifa and their role in all of this stuff. Antifa, no, Antifa is just an idea. Really, Antifa is just an idea. I've seen their websites. I've seen their, I've seen their umbrellas. I've seen their tactics. Uh, they've shut down courthouses, but no, it's just an idea. We've also been told that January 6th is the worst thing that happened since Pearl Harbor and 9/11 combined. Right? 
This is not the sign of a healthy society. Big O, I cut him a lot of slack. The door was open. He walked in and he's paying an enormous price for that day. So many are the political prisoners. What kind of country takes political prisoners? Not America, but it's actually happening right now. And we have a president who jokes about it, jokes about putting his political opponents in prison. You often get asked, look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Well, well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Well, I mean, yeah. Not a joke. And I, I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? Well, you got to send even- them to jail. That's why our democracy is in jeopardy, sending them to jail, political opponents, political enemies in jail. You know, if he wanted to unify this country on January 21st, after he made that solemn pledge, his whole soul was in it to unify us. He could have gone to that jail and made arrangements for them to be let go. What else? We lost a war. We lost Afghanistan. We have to save this country. We cannot afford any more defeats like this. This damaged us so severely. We could be feeling the effects of that for 50, 100 years. And what are Joe Biden's business arrangements in China and Russia, the full extent of what Hunter has been up to? We don't know. We don't have a clue. All right. What else is wrong? Our culture that insists that you should be high. <laughs> why did we why do we legalize marijuana without a full and honest conversation about what it can do to people? It can make you lame and lazy and want to just stay in bed all day and watching Netflix. Is that part of the equation? Do they want us lame and lazy and checked out? I think they do. I really think they do. You know, who's done so much damage to us as a culture. I'm sure she's a nice person. Kim Kardashian and her family. Uh, I get it. She's, um, well, she's not my type. I I don't know what to tell you here. Uh, She can't sing. She can't dance. She can't act. Uh, Quite frankly, her weight fluctuates more than Oprah's. And she has how many followers on Instagram? Yeah. What is the point? And the horrible thing is it inspires so many women and girls to be like her. Do nothing. Be semi-pretty. Take a picture of yourself and somehow you're going to be a billionaire. I don't get it. I really don't. Our culture is suffering. We must save America. And what if you happen to be a white woman who dares stick up for herself in some situation And you say the wrong thing or somebody thinks you looked at them the wrong way and you can lose everything and be called a it's a beautiful name, Karen. But now it's synonymous with a racist, entitled person. So unfair. We have to save this country. And you know what? Gay pride, gay pride month. It went way too far. It was just totally overboard. It's to the point that if you are not gay, you are feeling like somehow you are left out. Somehow you are not cool. Somehow you don't have something to offer. You know, it really jumped the shark when the churches got involved. When churches started hanging gay pride banners outside for who the hell knows what reason. That's cool. That's accepted. Yet Donald Trump with a Bible in front of a church. This was considered an abomination. 
by our country, by our culture, we are in trouble and this country must be saved. And when did America become enamored with unelected, power-hungry bureaucrats like Dr. Fauci? You know, remember when he became like the stud and so popular and so, what was that about? When did America become so, I think the word is obsequious, all right, so eager to be deferential to this guy with an opinion? Finally, the hideous conversation that's taking place about sexuality and gender in America. I'm sorry, but Leah Thomas, the idea that if you spoke out against Leah Thomas competing in women's sports, especially if you were one of the swimmers, female swimmers at the University of Pennsylvania, that somehow you might be kicked off the team or pay some sort of social price, we have to save this country. We have to stop with the drag queens going into schools and talking to kids. We must save this country. Sound good? I think it sounds good. It's worth saving. I know where I'm actually going to start. I've actually already started. This is a, uh, a sex shop in Bellingham, Washington. The woman there, Jen Mason, owns the shop. She's also on the school board of the public schools, and she has a grand idea. Yeah, they got sex toys and lingerie and whatnot. That's fine. Adults only. Well, it should be adults only. Look at this. In a couple of weeks, they're going to have a special session, the Uncringe Academy, to talk about sex with 9 to 12-year-olds and 13 to 18-year-olds, also known mostly as children. Children in the sex shop talking about who knows what? Just being in that shop is inappropriate, probably illegal for a child. So I made a phone call today. This is the Bellingham Police anonymous tip line. If you are reporting an in-progress crime or require immediate police assistance, please hang up and call 911. If you're reporting a tip or suspicious activity, leave a message. Please leave a message at the tone. When finished, you may hang up or press pound for additional options. Hey, hello. Uh, so you got somebody named Jen Mason who's on the uh, the school board there. She's got a sex shop called the Wink Wink Shop, and that's fine, but she's going to have a bunch of kids in there for some sort of crazy freak uh, sexual awareness thing. You know, everything's okay once you're 18, but this is expressly for children ages like 11, 12, and 13. I think that's a big problem. Um, if you want, I can give you more information. Give me a call at My name is Greg, and um, uh, yeah, the Wink Wink Shop is having a crazy, uh, inappropriate, probably illegal uh, sex instruction for little kids, and uh, totally wrong. Call me back. Thank you. <laughs> I have a feeling they're actually going to get back to me. Look, you got to start somewhere if we're going to save America. All right, so I made that call today, but Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri in the United States Senate, Watch what happened with him. They were having a discussion about abortion and other matters regarding gender. And look at this. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? 
many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think. Women can <laughs> so get you pregnant. are denying that trans people exist. Like and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this, where no, 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 they're, they're told that to they're question. opening up people to oh, violence? We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a you, lot just in this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary. Good for Senator Hawley. I'm feeling more confident actually about saving America. Aren't you? Uh, Lauren Boebert is dropping by. She's got a new book, and uh, I think you'll even feel extra confident that we will save America. It's called My American Life, forward by Ted Cruz. It's available wherever books are sold. We will be right back. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Rob Carson Show podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view, and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's Ugh, the January 6th committee, another hearing. They take themselves so seriously. I do not. So I put their little entry to some of my favorite music from an old-timey TV show you may know. little Hogan's Heroes for this crew. The thing was a joke. Again, nothing new, a lot of nonsense. And oh, by the way, you can tell it's a freak show. Look at all those cameras. Look at all those photographers. Do they really need another picture? Do they really want another picture of Liz Cheney? Speaking of Liz, by the way, um, she made an interesting point that, well, the opposite conclusion I take away. Take a look. Today, there appears to be a general recognition that the committee has established key facts, including that virtually everyone close to President Trump, his Justice Department officials, his White House advisors, his White House counsel, his campaign, 
all told him the 2020 election was not stolen. It's actually not up to them. It's not up to any of those parties. You can look it up in the Constitution. They don't talk about the DOJ and what their lawyers think, especially an area over which they do not have jurisdiction. This phony baloney nonsense. Look, they can knock themselves out. It's not having a difference, although maybe it will. You see, they're trying to scare people off of Trump. You got to just blow it off and you got to, quite frankly, make fun of it because we can't let them scare us. Okay, how about this guy? I think we need to quit mincing words and just talk about truths. And what it was going to be was an armed revolution. I mean, people died that day. Law enforcement officers died this day. All right. Actually, Ashley Babbitt died that day. Um, So who is this guy? Who cares? Made no difference. He's repeated a bunch of stuff that had already been said. And, oh, by the way, I noticed he has a face tattoo. Well, when it comes to face tattoos, I don't want to be prejudicial here, but follow this advice. We don't love the fact that he's got tattoos on his face. That's not a good sign. Uh, (laughs) One more time. I'm sorry. We don't love the fact that he's got tattoos on his face. That's not a good sign. Never a good sign, unless you're Mike Tyson. He's got one of those, and he's okay. So the star of today was a guy named Pat Cipollone, former White House counsel. And uh, I was I got to admit, I was looking forward to what he was going to say because he spoke to the committee for so long. The January 6th committee spent eight hours Friday interviewing former Trump White House counsel Pat Cipollone. Pat Cipollone, who testified for several hours. Pat Cipollone, who answered questions for more than eight hours. Wow, eight hours. That was Friday. They didn't let us see the actual questioning of him. They're showing us in little, little snippets today. I think all totaled, they showed us about two minutes. Here's a little bit. Mr. Cipollone told us that he agreed with the testimony that there was no evidence of fraud sufficient to overturn the election. I'm going to start by asking if you agree, Mr. Cipollone, with the conclusions of Matt Morgan, Bill Barr, of all of the individuals who evaluate those claims that there is no evidence of election fraud sufficient to undermine the outcome in a particular state. Yes, I agree with that. Yes, I agree with that. What happened to the eight hours? No, it's like they're making a documentary. They only take little sound bites to support whatever it is they want to drive home. That Trump is an existential threat to uh, human existence. Okay. by the way, Cipollone, you know, he's like, well, he's just another staffer. He's just another swamp guy. Okay. he had all the right jobs, worked for Barr, a partner at uh, the same law firm where Kenneth Starr uh, worked. It's just He's not in the Constitution. It's not up to him. It's up to the president. And when you're the president, you know, you don't just take a poll of your advisors and say, "Okay, eight out of nine of you say this. I guess I got to do it. That's not how it works. That's not in the Constitution. Also, do you remember this moment? Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I would say I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right. wing. So what do you what are you 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 saying? I'm I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. And right. 
Stand back and stand by. Stand back and stand by. You know why he said that? I think that was a great thing to say. Because the Proud Boys, I think something went off in his head. They're not white supremacists. They're not. That's one of the biggest lies ever told by the media, and they keep talking about it. Enrique Tarrio, his mother was born in Cuba. He's Afro-Cuban, and he's still in prison, by the way, in jail. A political prisoner in my book. They're not white supremacists. It is nonsense, and that's why he said, stand back and stand by. He knew, he knew that they were lying to him. He knew on some level. It's kind of amazing. So this stand back, stand by thing, though, the January 6th committee still talking about it. Oh, this must be stopped. This statement talking to extremist groups. After President Trump told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by from the lectern at the September 29th presidential debate, but Twitter chose not to act. Here's the former employee whose voice has been obscured to protect their identity, discussing Trump's stand back and stand by comment in the affected had. My concern was that the former president for seemingly the first time was speaking directly to extremist organizations um, and giving them directives. Um, we had not seen that sort of direct communication before. Um, and that concerned me. Disguising his voice, not letting us see this former Twitter employee. And who cares what concern this one Twitter? They got 20,000 people who work there. Uh, you got to laugh at this stuff. And you also, though, have to call out the obvious inconsistencies and or all out lies. This Raskin guy. His desire to overthrow the people's election and seize the presidency interrupted the counting of electoral college votes for the first time in American history. Uh, no, not the first time in American history. What about when you did it in 2017? Jamie Raskin interrupted the electoral count in 2017. He stood up and he interrupted the whole thing. He did. He did it. Anyway, it's pretty insane, isn't it? I can't stand these people. Sometimes I find myself hating them, actually. I know I shouldn't hate. I don't hate them. But they made it all about themselves. They can't, they can't pass up an opportunity like this to plug themselves and who they are. I'm the only member of this committee who was not blessed to be born an American. I was born in Vietnam after the Vietnam War, and my family and I fled a communist government and were rescued by the U.S. Navy and were given sanctuary in America. My patriotism is rooted in my gratitude for America's grace and generosity. I love this country. We all do. Who cares? Next. I am from a part of the country where, had it not been for the federal government and the Constitution, my parents and many more Americans like them would have continued to be treated as second-class citizens. Okay, we fixed that a long, long time ago, and that's good. You know, the federal government and the Constitution, they found a way to push the Russia hoax. Some bad things can happen under this federal government. I almost found myself feeling sorry for those Capitol Hill cops, you know, Fanon, Dunn, the ones who testified. 
I think they're kind of regretting it. I, I think these things have got to be boring them to tears. They really don't look into it, especially Fanon. He's struggling to stay awake. Ah, but there was a bombshell. Are you ready for this? Uh, apparently, Donald Trump made a phone call and nobody answered it. But they're acting like this is a big deal. After our last hearing, President Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, a witness you have not yet seen in these hearings. That person declined to answer or respond to President Trump's call and instead alerted their lawyer to the call. Their lawyer alerted us. And this committee has supplied that information to the Department of Justice. We will take any effort to influence witness testimony very seriously. <laughs> you have no authority. You're a joke committee. You have no authority. By the way, uh, not to drop names, but I've received a phone call from the president on more than one occasion. And you actually can't tell it's him calling. It's got some system you don't know. How do you know the president actually called and they didn't answer? Hey, maybe it was a butt dial, huh? Tell the Justice Department that. Okay, they take themselves so seriously. Watch. Watch how everybody must remain seated as the committee departs. The chair requests that those in the hearing room remain seated until the Capitol Police have escorted members from the room. Big deal. Big deal. But how dare you leave? If you're going to have these hearings, how dare you not mention and not investigate Ashley Babbitt? We all saw her shot and killed. She wasn't armed. There's no way, no way that shooting can be justified. And you guys are pretending it never happened. It, uh, it's really sad. But... Remember, they're trying to spook us about Donald Trump. Don't let them win. So when they leave, let's give them some appropriate music, shall we? January 6th committee, not looking forward to uh, anything you do in the future. All right, stay with us. Eric Adams is the mayor of New York City, and he is an overt racist and liar. We'll show you when we come back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Hey, remember, Fox News, for those of you who still check it out, is fake news. I'm not a lawyer. I could recognize crazy behavior, obsessive behavior, maybe unstable behavior. But is it illegal, criminal behavior. You know, it, in, in some cases, I think the people who were giving him this advice were coming pretty darn close to that line, if not going over it. Thanks a lot. MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, they're all the same. Also, Eric Adams, the mayor of the largest city in America, is a racist. 
every day in the police department. I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. More on him tomorrow. We found out something pretty big. We'll be right back with Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman from Colorado, and I think she can save this country, help us save it. Her new book, My American Life, available wherever books are sold, just came out today. to have Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, Republican of Colorado, with us on the day her new book drops is available wherever books are sold. It's called My American Life. There it is with her family. Looks like they're ready for action. The forward by Senator Ted Cruz. Congresswoman Bobart, welcome back. How are you? Greg, it is so great to be with you, especially on the release day of my book. I'm so excited to talk to you about that. Thanks so much for having me. My American life, quite a life. I can't remember America, quite frankly, without you in it. You made quite an impression. Thanks so much. Well, we have a country to save. And that was the motivation for me even being here. I have these four boys that you saw on the the front cover of my book there. And I wanted to make sure that they didn't live in a socialist nation. So I'm doing my part to step up and serve and be a loud voice for conservative values because I know that's how we're going to save our country. And in my book, I talk about being raised in a Democrat household under those failed policies. And it was simply my mom believing a lie that these policies are the only way she could take care of her family and put food on the table. But it was a cycle of poverty that they had us trapped in. And I learned that I could actually put my hand to something, create wealth, and do a much better job taking care of myself than government ever did. And uh, so I've been, I, I became a self-taught conservative just by putting my hand to something and creating a solution. Poverty. How, how poor were you guys? Well, poor enough to need monopoly money for food, to stand in line for bread and government cheese, uh, of course, um, government health care, which isn't always great. Uh, and it, it sometimes it, it got me kind of looking around the buildings that we were in, um, getting cans of grape juice, saying, is this us? Are we that poor? Uh, in my book, I even talk about um, one circumstance where uh, I, I was at the age where I need feminine products and I couldn't afford them. And so mom had to teach me makeshift ways, you know, to take care of myself. And this is not something that I wanted to live out the rest of my life doing. Uh, your mom. What about your dad? Is he's tell us uh, tell us about him. So my mom, uh, she was a single mom in, in Orlando, Florida with me. And we moved to Colorado, uh, where she later married my stepdad. And that was actually really rough. Uh, and I, I talk about this in the book and writing it is one thing. Living it is one thing. But when I was actually reading the audio book and I heard myself saying these stories out loud, it resonated like never before. There was a lot of trauma, a lot of drug and alcohol abuse, a lot of physical abuse. And reading my story out loud to record the audiobook, uh, I, I could vividly remember my mom going through that abuse, trying to cover the abuse and hide it and making excuses for it, thinking that it would just go away. And it never did. And it was decades before she actually broke free from that. Um, and and so I have a lot of compassion towards people who are raised in, in broken homes and um, uh, homes where there is drug and alcohol abuse and, and whatnot. And I spent a lot of years actually 
counseling women at our local jail to let them know, hey, you're not alone. Many of us have been there and you can break free from that. And there is a better life apart from your past. If, if you only look to your past, well, then you're going, you're going to be hopeless. But there is a future and a hope to look forward to. Wow. Wow. Hey, what were you doing, say, two years before you were elected to the House of Representatives? It's a big deal becoming a member of Congress. Yes. What were you doing just a few years prior? I was serving burgers with a smile and a gun on my hip. Uh, so I, my, I actually opened a restaurant in Rifle, Colorado called Shooter's Grill. And we received a lot of nationwide and international uh, notoriety because all of our waitresses open carry in our restaurant in Rifle, Colorado. And so I was I was serving burgers and serving my community, making sure people were, were filled up and happy. Uh, but I was also studying the Constitution. I wanted it to be more than just a piece of art on the wall in my restaurant. I wanted to know it. And when I began to study the Constitution, I fell in love with the vision that our founding fathers had for our country. And I saw how far away we were getting from that. I saw politicians thinking that they grant people rights. They don't grant people rights. Those are natural rights. These are our God-given rights, and they are, they are installed to protect them, to secure them. And uh, so I, I started just looking around and saying, who is doing anything about defending freedom, about defending these values? And uh, it was when Beto O'Rourke announced the Democrat playbook for our Second Amendment. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s and your AK-47s. That I said, you know, I'm tired of people staying silent on this. I, I'm tired of staying silent on this. I don't want to sit at home and complain about it. I want to be a part of the solution. Drove down to his presidential rally three hours away from rifle with a Glock on my hip. And I told him, hell no, you're not. And of course that went viral and uh, really spurred into action. What am I going to use my voice for? How am I going to save our republic? Well, speaking of that voice, you did something this year that I absolutely loved. It was the State of the Union address. It seems like uh, 10 years ago. But as we all know, if we don't mind, can we pl play that video of those coffins coming off the C-17 mm. and our loss in Afghanistan, all those people on the runway? I believe we have that handy. And uh, we lost in Afghanistan. Nobody seems to remember this. Nobody ever talks about it. And it was all avoidable. So let's fast forward to the State of the Union address. And Joe Biden um, has something to say. And so do you. Take a look. These burn pits that incinerate waste, the waste of war, medical and hazards material, jet fuel and so much more. And they come home. Many of the world's fittest and best trained warriors in the world. Never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness. A cancer that would put them in a flag-draped coffin. I know. One of those, one of those soldiers was my son, Major Bo Biden. It needed to be said. I'm so glad you said it. Uh, what was the reaction? And do you have any regrets? I have no regrets. I will always speak up for what is right. Uh, you know, it, it was it was interesting. The very next day, Joe Biden's spin doctor, Jen Psaki, tried to make excuses of why he didn't mention those 13 heroes that we lost unnecessarily in Afghanistan. And she said he didn't have time. He could have spoke for three hours if his teleprompter would have had enough words on it. Uh, and, and we would have stayed there and listened to every word. Uh, and but 
Joe Biden had already proved that he didn't have time for those 13 soldiers. When they came home to Dover, he was checking his watch, showing that he didn't have time for them then, and he certainly didn't have time at the State of the Union. And uh, so I, I was proud to speak up uh, for, for those 13, for their families, to, to put him in remembrance of that horrible, shameful withdrawal, that surrender to the Taliban uh, that happened on his watch. One other thing that I commend you for, after January 6th and everybody was losing their minds in the mainstream media and a lot of Republicans too, you put things into perspective in the most powerful way. Let's go ahead and play that, please. What about the gentlewoman from New York who defended the looting by saying looters just wanted loaves of bread? Well, the last I checked, Best Buy and Teslas and stores of the like do not produce baked goods. Where's the accountability for the left after encouraging and normalizing violence? Again, you're saying things that need to be said that so few, I will dare say, or perhaps they don't think that way. And I thank you. Yes, this absolutely needs to be said. Democrats didn't have a summer of love. It was a summer of riots and violence and, and death. Uh, they were burning down cities. And even in Denver, uh, Colorado, our Capitol building was vandalized. And the governor was saying, it's OK. The pro protesters just need to vent. We had small businesses shut down. We weren't able to attend churches. Now, marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores, those were open, but you couldn't go to church because of this pandemic that was taking place. And people were able to uh, just absolutely flood the streets and riot and, and bust out windows in our Capitol building. And that's okay because they were frustrated and they needed to let that out. I'm tired of the hypocrisy. It's been on full display. And also, I'm really happy to say that those dang masks are gone. You played that video and that just, I think I have PTSD from that, <laughs> yeah, that was... seeing myself in a mask. <laughs> I actually paid uh, Nancy Pelosi um, thousands of dollars for refusing to wear a mask in the, oh, in the people's house. So, <laughs> Well, Congresswoman Boebert, the book is My American Life, available wherever books are sold. Let's put that book cover up one more time with the, the whole family there. You're a superstar. I say the chances that you're president of the United States somewhere sometime are probably 60, 65 percent. Oh, goodness. What do you think? <laughs> what, what odds would you give yourself? You know what? Whatever we got to do to keep the country going. Um, but I'm looking forward to President Trump being back real soon. Me too. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. We'll be right back. Okay, you are looking at the most clueless governor in America. Uh, maybe one of the most clueless people in America, Kathy Hochul. She became governor after uh, Andrew Cuomo resigned. She was lieutenant governor. The election is in November, and uh, I got to tell you, <laughs> well, I'd love to see a change. I can't officially choose sides here, but Congressman Lee Zeldin is the Republican nominee. He vanquished his opponents after a pretty spirited primary contest. And uh, Congressman Zeldin is our guest on Newsmax. Welcome, sir, and congratulations, the Republican nominee for governor of New York State. How does it feel? Uh, it's great to be able to move on to the main event and to kick out Kathy Hochul. Uh, you're seeing all the destruction. You talk about it on your show. I see it on your, your Twitter feed. You see the rising crime, the attacks on freedom, the attacks on affordability in New York. We have to take her out this November. So she really seems uniquely inept, uh, <laughs> just totally in over her head and owned by the woke left. 
Yeah, you have one party Democratic rule. AOC has a bunch of her socialist friends as part of this supermajority in the Assembly and Senate. They barely have a supermajority. We'll break that too in November. And they keep pushing these policies in Albany like cashless bail. There was a new story that I'm sure you saw, Greg, a couple days ago where these two Mexican drug cartel smugglers got caught with $1.2 million worth of crystal meth. And then they instantly get released back out on the streets. We see all sorts of pro-criminal policies. We see rising taxing and spending that's driving folks out of the state. And the assaults on, on freedom. And it has New Yorkers of all stripes hitting their breaking point and deciding to flee New York. Well, one thing that I think really appeals to people, you're talking about being the governor and using the power you have at your disposal. Now, there's a district attorney by the name of Alvin Bragg, may not be widely known nationally, but he's like a crazy leftist, let the criminals go free type of district attorney. There he is. Um, he's causing real problems, not prosecuting real criminals. You as the governor can do something about that. What is it? The governor of the state of New York has the constitutional authority to remove a district attorney when they refuse to enforce the law. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, since day one, has been refusing to enforce all sorts of laws across the board. It's made national news, this Jose Alba case, where this guy ends up getting attacked. He kills the person who is attacking him, and he ends up with a murder charge in Rikers Island, and the person who stabbed him ends up with no charges at all. This is one of the more recent examples. Day one, right after we get sworn in, I will be doing my constitutional, not just authority, I will be doing my constitutional duty and removing Alvin Bragg as my first act of governor of New York. And you, uh, you can do these things because you've done them before. You've had authority. Kathy Hochul has never had authority. You we're in Iraq as a, uh, a soldier, an army soldier, and you're a lawyer. And oh, by the way, you were one of the pivotal people, one of the most important people defending Donald Trump during the impeachment crisis. Just how do you feel? You're, I, I'm impressed. Uh, Kathy Hochul has not really done much of anything other than, I'm sorry, but be somebody's wife. She's in over her head. She's been a walking identity crisis. She made a name for herself as a county clerk by opposing driver's licenses for illegals until she chose to evolve. She was an A-rated NRA-endorsed member of Congress until she became a statewide elected official. And now she's uh, suddenly trying to be the one trampling all over Second Amendment rights the most. And her new law that just got passed tramples all over First Amendment rights in order to trample all over Second Amendment rights. Uh, I don't believe that she is taking the state in the right direction. And for New Yorkers, every single day they tell me, Lee, if you don't win, I'm leaving. Huh. I feel like we are in a rescue mission to save our state right now. Representative Lee Zeldin, go to zeldinfornewyork.com, zeldinfornewyork.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Representative Lee Zeldin, Rep Lee Zeldin. This is one of the most important races in the country. She is obviously bad for New York. Sir, I wish you luck. Thank you very, very much. Thank Come you. Back Thanks soon. for your service, Greg. You as well. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free and watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere.
Tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, John Bachman. No, he's not the next president of the United States. He sure looks like one. He'll be moderating the U.S. Senate debate in Arizona.